Uh, and as we study uh, God's Word today, um, I wanted to remind you of what we went over last week. We've been going through uh, what we call our fall campaign or growth campaign. And just to clarify what we mean by that, this term growth campaign, that word grow oftentimes, uh, we think, oh, we want to see uh, tons more people showing up. But the truth is this, this growth is, is about our spiritual growth. It's about your growth in your relationship and faith uh, with God through Jesus, and also about the growth of those that are sitting around you. This is the focus and the heart of this campaign, and, and I'm so excited about what we're getting to, to dive into today, but to help us get into today, uh, we got to look back at last week. So last week, Pastor John covered uh, what we call chair one of the four chairs. It was this chair uh, that we call the come and see chair. It's the chair of someone who has not put their faith in Christ, but is looking for hope, is looking for answers, is looking uh, to see what is this all about. And so we've got these four chairs, chair one, come and see, chair two is follow me, chair three, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, and then chair four is go and bear fruit. And these are the four challenges that Jesus gives to those who he calls to follow him, who he calls to be his disciples. And so uh, we're, we're basing this entire series off of that model uh, of what Jesus has done. Uh, and so uh, last week, uh, we see uh, that Jesus uses this come and see challenge uh, and, and invites people through what we see in the book of John. He invites people to come in. So if you want to kind of follow along, I'm going to give you an overview uh, of what we talked about last week. But you can open up to John chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 35 here. And I'm going to just give you an overview uh, from there leading into what we're doing. So uh, John 1, 35 is, is where this kind of starts out. But we've got John the Baptist is there with his disciples. Now, John the Baptist has been uh, having a ministry of baptizing people and preparing the way for the Savior to come. He's baptizing them in the message of repent for the Messiah is coming. Repent for the kingdom of God is coming. It's near. It's here. And it, it's an incredible uh, ministry that he has going on. And with that, he has guys that are following him, disciples of John that are learning. They've, they've uh, heard his message. They've heard what he's preaching, and, and they're with him on it. They're also sharing this now. They're, they're helping in the work of that. One day, uh, Jesus comes walking by, and John points at him and says, look, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Two of John's disciples get up and go and follow Jesus. Now, when we say, okay, they go and follow Jesus, we think, oh, they went and joined Jesus. No, these guys were a little more creepy than that. They, they, got up, and they followed Jesus from a distance behind him, kind of stalker-like. It's really awkward and interesting, and we, we try to, I think we try to uh, make it a little more holy than it was. These guys didn't know what to do with Jesus. That's the thing. They were going, John just told us this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Are we allowed to talk to him? Are we allowed, what are we supposed to do? We, we want to know. And so they're walking along, and after a while it says Jesus turned around and said, what do you want? <laughs> what can I do for you guys? And here's the response. They said, well, we just, we just want to see where you're staying. <laughs> where, where, do you, where are you sleeping? Like, what a weird thing to say, first off. But Jesus understood exactly what they were looking for. He understood what they were asking, and here was his response. He said, come and see. Now, he wasn't saying, come and see, I'll show you where I'm staying. He was saying, come and join me. Let's, let's go talk, because he spent the next few hours with them, talking to them. 
And, and we know what they talked about because right after this, Andrew, who was one of these guys, he got up and left Jesus and went and found his brother, Simon. And he goes to Simon and says, Simon, look, we found the Messiah. We found this guy. Come and see. And, and it's amazing uh, because Simon comes to meet Jesus. Jesus says, you are Simon. We, I will call you Peter. Uh, and there's a whole series in that that we're not going to get into right now. But uh, I love it because Simon and Andrew are from this town of Bethsaida. And there's another guy from this town. His name is Philip. And we're going to look at the, the, the call on Philip today. But I, I believe that what happened here is that Andrew and Peter went back home to their hometown that day. And, and maybe went and found Philip and talked to him about who they had just met. Because we see something different happen uh, when Philip enters the scene here with Jesus. We see something different come in. And, and, and so there's two options that I think it could be is either Andrew and Peter went and told Philip about Jesus. And, and at some point introduced him to Jesus within this day, this time. Or Philip could have been the other one who left the side of John with Andrew to go and follow Jesus. I, either way... Uh, we see something happen here uh, the very next day uh, with Philip. So here's where we're at. We're in uh, First John, or John 1, verse 43. Here's what it says. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come, follow me. All right. So why does come and see change to follow me when it comes to Philip? Why is it that Jesus doesn't, doesn't continue just saying, well, hey, come and see. Let me show you. Well, it would be because Philip already understands who he is. Because I, I can say that because I know what this call of follow me means here. It's not just a, a simple call. This is something a little more intense than, than maybe we realize. And we're going to break this down here. And so first, to, to understand what Jesus was saying here, we, we need to understand these words. So we've got this word follow. In the Greek, it's akolotheo. It's a fun word to say, uh, but it's a powerful word. It means so much more than just let's head in the same direction, right? It's not just, hey, come on, let's go hang out. There's something more to this. This term that we translate as follow has much more meaning, okay? Meaning number one that's in there is this word, akolutheo, means align yourself with me. Align yourself with me. It's, it's Jesus looking and saying, okay, I want you to align yourself with what I'm teaching. Align yourself with what I'm saying. I want you to get behind me and align yourself with me. And, and as I step, you step. Mimic me. Follow me. So, so he's, he's not just saying, hey, I want you to come with me. He's saying, I want you to align yourself with me. And then the next meaning of this word is also accompany so he's saying, come with me, but do it in a way that mimics me. As I walk, you walk. Let's go together. I'm going to show you what this looks like because the third meaning of this word is assist me. Jesus was saying, I want you to align yourself with me. I want you to come with me, and I want you to assist me. And so you need to be aligned with me and learning how to walk with me in order to be part of the work that we're going to do. You see, this is not a call that you give to someone who's never met you. This is a big deal call. He's looking and saying to Philip, I, I want you to actually be part of what I'm doing. 
to, to come and join me. That's why I believe Philip had, had heard about Jesus in the day prior from uh, Peter and Andrew or had met Jesus himself that day. Uh, it's just an exciting thing to me to see this call because this is the call of somebody in chair two. Last week we talked about chair one, come and see. This is someone who doesn't know Christ, but when we move from chair one to chair two, because of the work that Jesus has done on our behalf on the cross, his death and resurrection, we can move from, from come and see to follow me, this chair where we're given a new challenge. They're no longer a seeker, but a believer who has now been given a higher, more intense challenge like calling from Jesus. He's saying, don't just be saved, but become. Become part of my work. Become part of the mission. Have a purpose beyond you. Jesus wasn't just inviting Philip to hang out. He was recruiting him to be a soldier in a spiritual war that had been going on long before this. This is the same call that each of us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ receive from him as we go from chair one to chair two to align ourselves with him, to accompany him, and to assist him. This is the call that Jesus gives the crowds in Mark chapter eight, verse 34, when it says, then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. Okay, this is a familiar passage here, but I want us to think about it, okay? What is Jesus actually saying? He's saying, if any of you wants to align yourself with me, accompany me, and assist me, the first thing that you have to do is give up your own way. All right, let's think about our culture right now. How easy is it in our culture for us to give up our own way? We, we've been going through the last couple weeks here uh, in this election watching a lot of my way is best, my way is best, your way is wrong, you're less than human if you disagree with me kind of attitudes. And that's been, that's been kind of the heart of our culture for a while now. And we're seeing that rise even more uh, amongst the younger generations, this idea of my truth is truth, and, and you can have your own truth, but it's not as good as mine. My way's better. And here's what Jesus is saying. Hey, if you want to follow me, your way has to go. That's not an easy call. It wasn't an easy call then either, as you can see the response of the people. When Jesus would call them to stuff like this, guess what would happen? These crowds would be there, and they'd go, hmm, that's too hard, and they'd walk away. That's how we know Jesus wasn't just saying, hey, this is a simple thing. This is a nice and easy thing. Everyone can do it. He was, he was calling them to something more, and many people went, I'm not up for that. But it's that challenge, that call that we have. We have to give up our own way to look and say, okay, I'm trusting that your way is better. I'm, I'm willing to, to submit and surrender to that. That's difficult for us. And Jesus knew it would be, so he's calling us to something difficult and asking us to trust him. And then it gets even more difficult with the next statement. And take up your cross. Okay, I've heard this, this sentence, I've heard this term uh, described in a lot of different ways, explained out in a lot of different ways, but, but the best way that I, I feel I see it here is, is you have to look at the context of what's just happened. Jesus has just told his disciples, I will be handed over. We're going to Jerusalem, I'm gonna be handed over. To the, to the authorities there, and they are going to crucify me. They are going to kill me. And then he says, if you want to follow me, pick up your cross. See, Jesus wasn't just giving some kind of symbolism of saying, hey, it, it's, it's, you know, you got to carry the burdens of what it is to be a Christian. No, he, he was saying, I'm going on a cross. Pick up yours. Follow me. I'm willing to give myself up for everyone. 
pick up your cross and follow me? Are you willing to give yourself up? So not only give up your way, but be willing to give up your life for the sake of, of following him, for the sake of his mission that he's calling you on. And then he says, when you do that, then come follow me. Then align yourself with me, accompany me, and assist me. This is not a light call, is it? This is a heavy call, and it's kind of crazy because we look at it and go, wait a second. We go from chair one of not even believing in Jesus to chair two. This is step one, and Jesus is going, okay, I'm going to lay it out on you. I'm going to, I'm going to tell it to you straight. I love that about Jesus is that you can see throughout uh, what Jesus taught, he was not afraid to show people, I'm not, I'm not here for light fluffy. <laughs> this is real. I love that Jesus said, hey, before you follow me, count up the cost. He wasn't afraid of people evaluating whether or not he was worth it. And I love that because, because it's something different than what we see in our world today. I'm not, if, if I want to be your friend, I'm not going to come up to you with a list of re- things you might lose by being my friend. I'm not going to do that. I'm not risking that. I need friends, okay? At, but Jesus, Jesus was looking and saying, no, I, I'm not looking for friends. I'm looking for those to join me in this. And so here's the thing. If you follow me, you might face ridicule. You might, you might be ostracized. You might be kicked out of your, your groups. You might lose your jobs. You might lose your, your wealth, your income. You might, all of these things. And, and you may be looking and saying, but we don't really see that in our country. You see, we're, we're blessed. We have huge opportunity here. And you know what's sad is because we don't see much persecution here for our faith, we also don't see much faith here. And that's a problem. And that's got to change. We've got such an advantage Uh, going for us, and we just kind of let it be. But Jesus has called us to something more. This is the call uh, to follow Jesus is something that we not only need to be aware of in our lives, but to understand if we're going to grow. So maybe, maybe you're in chair two. Maybe you've, uh, you, you've been part of the discipleship uh, class that's going on, and you, you opened up the Like Jesus app, and you took the little quiz that kind of tells you what chair you're in. Or maybe a couple years ago when I talked about this here, I had these papers here that were this quiz that was laid out just to show you what chair you're in and, and which way you can move so that what are the next steps to start going. Maybe you took that, and you're going, yeah, I'm a chair two. That's just kind of where I'm at. And if you're interested in something like that, going, well, I'd like to know where I'm at. Come and see me after service, and I'll get you one of those. It takes, it's literally, it's uh, 28 questions, all right? I had to do a little math here, counted up, homeschooled. It's all right, okay? But here's the thing, all right? I want you to think about it, okay? It's, it's important to know where we're at so that we can know how to grow, right? So we know what the next steps are. But, but with this, uh, maybe you're in chair two. Maybe, maybe you're a new believer. Maybe you're brand new to Christ. And, and that's, that's an incredible place to be. Or maybe you're one that, that has known Jesus for a long time but just has not been living as a follower of Jesus or at least not in the way that he's called you to be. So these, these chairs that are up here, um, I love them because... They, they represent things, but chair two, uh, we've got this camping chair up here, okay? This, is, this can be a comfortable chair. You can think about times that maybe you've, you've been out at the lake or you've been out camping, you spend the whole day doing different stuff, and then you finally sit down in that chair. It can be a real comforting thing, right? But, but the truth is, while a camping chair can be comfortable, um, a, a better chair for this spot would actually have been a Lazy Boy recliner, because here's the thing, is there's, there's no work for us moving from chair one to chair two because Jesus has done all of that work. All we have to do is come and see and make a decision and we step from chair one to chair two. 
Then comes the difficult part because the other chairs are actually built on on an incline because there's work to be done. It takes work to, to climb from chair two to chair three. I think it's the most difficult part of our growth journey with Christ because these are the challenges, he says. Hey, it's gonna take work. I'm not asking you to do something light. I'm asking you, let's go, all in. We're gonna move, we're gonna grow. Now, I'll talk about chair three next week and then we're gonna finish up in a couple weeks talking about chair four, but it's, it's important for us to understand this slant that's there because what happens is this. We'll start to climb We'll start to go saying, okay, I'm willing to try it. But then we remember how comfortable that lazy boy was. It's a comfortable place to be saved. Because you you have to understand, you've gone from death to life. That feels good. You've, You've gone from being bound to hell to having an eternity in heaven that is secure and locked in by the Holy Spirit. There's nothing that can take it away. That's a comfortable place to be. It's a place we like to be. So we, we sit in that chair, we start climbing and realize it's hard, and we go back to that chair pretty quickly. It's a tough place to leave, but it's also not a horrible place to be temporarily. I want to help you understand more of what this chair looks like, and to do that, I want to talk to you for a minute just about my kids, all right? So I've got Micah, he's a three-year-old, and Micah, over the last three years, has been learning skills, just some, some amazingly important skills to help him grow and survive life with me. So uh, some of those skills have just been awesome to, to watch and see him uh, experience and, and master. Uh, the first one of those I think about is Micah has now learned to feed himself. Now, he's been doing this for a while, but he's getting even better at it in this. And, and I love it because at the very beginning, Micah definitely couldn't feed himself. There was nothing he could do. You could slip something into his hand, but after a while, he'd just drop it, and there was no way he could use a spoon. I remember the first time that he just picked up a spoon and held it in a way that was sort of right, and we celebrated. And I remember uh, watching him as he, he would scoop for the first time and finally get something onto that spoon. Now, there was no way it was making it to his mouth, but he got something on the spoon, and we celebrated. I remember watching him be able to pick things up and put them in his mouth. That was exciting stuff because he's learning how to feed himself. Now he's at the point where if he wants a snack, he'll tell us. He'll say, I I think I want a snack. And we're like, okay, and he'll go get it. He'll go and grab an orange, and he can peel an orange on his own. I can barely do that. Like, it's amazing to watch him do it. Because he just, he goes for it and he picks off every little piece and he, he, he gets it done and he splits it all apart. He's very meticulous in how he does this and he sets each piece individually out, okay? When I make him his lunch, uh, I'll make a little smiley face of food on his plate. So he'll take his orange and make his smiley face and he'll lay it out and then he eats it, right? And, and I love watching him do this because he's learned the skill of this. Now, he's also pretty sneaky with it. He, he's gotten clever with it. We're going to get into that here in just a little bit. But Micah's not just learned to feed himself. Micah also uh, has learned to walk. So I remember at the, uh, early on when he was starting to, to be able to stand up, he's, he's been crawling for a while, and he's pushing himself up and grabbing hold of things, and we would take his hands, and we would have him take some steps. Now, he would take a step, and then he'd want to sit down. And we go, no, 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 let's, let's get up, let's walk. And we'd walk him around the house, and we'd walk him all over the place. And then it got to a point that he could take a few steps on his own, Right? And so we'd sit further and further apart and let him, let him walk between us, coming back and forth, and we'd celebrate every time. Now he'll come running out of his room in the morning and go, super cat speed, and take off through the whole house. If you've never seen PJ Masks, you have no idea. But he, this is what he'll do, and he runs all over the place, and it's awesome to see that skill. He's learned to talk. 
He's, he's like me. He's learned to talk too well, too much. Okay, so uh, that's a, it's a problem for him a little bit, but at the same time, I love seeing this skill of him being able to talk. He's learning to clean himself. He'll finish a meal and have food on his hands and face, and we'll say, all right, go to the bathroom. Wash your hands, wash your face, and he'll run in there and do it. He'll come back out all excited to show us, and he'll still have food on his face. We'll say, oh, there's a little bit left, and he'll run in there again and do it. He's learning to do this, and he's not perfect at it, but he's learning and growing in it. And in all of this, Micah is learning his identity. And it's an important thing because here's here's how Micah is learning his identity, okay? I'll talk to him and say, okay, Micah, who are you? He goes, well, I'm Micah. Well, that's an important thing to him because Micah means him. We have another uh, a boy coming to our youth ministry right now, and his name is Micah. And so when my son Micah finishes Awana and gets dropped off over there, I'll be like, hey, Micah, this is Micah. And he goes, no, he's not. I'm Micah. And he will not share his name. He goes, Micah, M-I-C-A-H, and he'll spell it to you because that's my name. I know it. But see, he knows he's not just Micah. He's Micah Neal. Well, Neal is Janae's dad's middle name as well. And so he has this connection in this direction where he's starting to learn that he, he is named after someone. And he has something to connect with that way. And he's learning not only is he Janae's son, but he is, he is Rod's grandson, which connects him to this whole family. But then he also knows he's not just Mike and Neil, he's Mike and Neil Phillips, which is my family name. And so he's got these connections that are taking him back, giving him this whole picture of who he is, of his identity, based upon where he's come from and what he does. And so it's this incredible thing that he's learning. I know identity's not so much a skill, but it helps with every skill that he's learning. The more he knows who he is, the more confident he is in doing these things. Now, I also have Emery. Emery is five months old. She's not, she's not learning these skills yet. Emery just, just has started in the last month here uh, to roll over. Now, she rolled over about a month ago. I didn't get to see it, of course, so I didn't believe it happened because even though the video was there, hmm, those can be faked. Um, but, but here's the thing, okay? She, she rolled over, and then she decided, I'm done with that. I don't need to do that again. Until last night, yesterday, she starts rolling over again, and now she's just rolling this way and that way and all over the place, and it's awesome to see her learning this skill because I know this skill leads to the next skill, which leads to the next skill, and she's growing. She's learning all of these things, and this is chair two. You see, we, we, she's like trying to attempt new things. She's trying to grow and stuff, and, and we celebrate each new attempt to grow while we care for her in the ways that she cannot yet care for herself. This is chair two. It's the baby Christian. Now, this is traditionally someone who's new to the faith, though, as I mentioned earlier, it could be someone who's simply just not grown for a number of reasons. For those of you who are in this chair, don't freak out. Don't get offended by being a baby Christian. Don't get offended by being in that infant stage. It's not a bad place to be temporarily. But it is a place that you, you can get stuck. You will remain if th- some things don't happen. You need to learn the skills to help you grow. A couple years ago, uh, I took uh, a group from our church in Colby, Kansas, down to Tegucigalpa, Honduras. And we had a missionary down there that we had spent time with, and, and we did all these different things with on different trips. Uh, and on this trip, they, they had been given a call uh, by an orphanage that had received uh, a building. Like they'd been given this compound, and they needed help cleaning it up. So they said, hey, if you got one day with some people, can you bring them over? Now, we didn't even make a dent on it because we, we got distracted by something. You see, when we got to this orphanage, there was an infant there, tiny little baby. 
that had been left outside and they had found. And it had been abandoned to die because whoever the parents are, they didn't want it, couldn't take care of it, whatever it was. And I remember seeing that baby struggling to do simple things, looking months younger than it was. It was kind of, it was heartbreaking to see this. But see, the sad thing is, is spiritually, I see this all the time for those in chair two, is that they, somebody comes to them and says, hey, you need to know Jesus. I want you to know Jesus. I'm going to talk to you about Jesus. I'm going to help you to help you know Jesus. And, and they finally go, okay, I'll come and see. And they put their faith in Christ. They go from chair one to chair two. And that person who was drawing them, calling them, goes, okay, good, now grow, and walks away. Abandons them in chair two, saying, you're saved now. That's all you need. Now start growing. Figure it out. This is the, the common model of the church today is to say, figure it out. You can get this. We all understood. We all got it. You can get it. And then what happens is, is, is they try to grow. They try to, to find hope, find help, to find resources. And sometimes they're successful. Sometimes they rise above. But most often, they end up stuck in chair two or feeling like they never made it there in the first place. They feel abandoned and orphaned in their spiritual infancy, and they need parented. See, this is what we're going to get into over the next couple weeks, is this, this is the role of chair three and chair four, is, is to not abandon and orphan those that are baby Christians coming into our church, but to wake up and realize you have a role to them. You, you have something that is important with them. They're not going to learn well on their own. It's, it's something that you have to understand. You, you have a responsibility to your chair two spiritual siblings to help them grow. And those of you that are in chair two, you, you need to be looking for someone who can help you grow. It's important. It's important to have somebody who can point you in the direction of what is, what is pure and right. We're going to get into that to help you grow in the right ways. Here's the thing. They're not going to learn well on their own. And wouldn't it just be amazing if there was someone who understood the skills that they needed who was right here that could come alongside them. Wouldn't that just be amazing? And, and here's the thing. They're here. You're here. We, we've got to do something about it. So let's break down kind of the five areas of growth that are needed that we've talked about a little bit with my son and how it fits spiritually here. Uh, we're going to break this down a bit to help us understand them and how we can grow or help others grow, all right? So the first one of these is this. The first skill that we've got to learn when it comes to chair two is we've got to start learning how to feed ourselves. You've got to learn to feed yourself. First Peter chapter 2, verses 2 through 3 says this. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. I, I think about this, and, and, and it's this, this call on us to long for pure spiritual milk. Do you, do you understand that a newborn baby doesn't just want it? but longs for it and needs it. It is a necessity. It is important for them to have, and so spiritually it's the same thing. But I love the call in here. Crave for pure spiritual milk. There's a lot of spiritual milk out there. Not all of it is pure. In fact, not much of it is pure. This is, this is where we need people to help us figure it out. I think about Micah. You know, every night, my son Micah will, will get focused on something, and, and here's what it is, is he will know that bedtime is coming, and he's going to come up with some way to escape having to go to bed when I say it's time to go to bed. 
So here's his tactic that he uses. He'll wait until I say, well, I think it's time for bed, and he'll go, oh, but Dad, I'm hungry, okay? I'm hungry. Some of you get this. You're like, I, I, I mean, I still deal with that. I'm like, it's time to go to bed. I'm hungry, though. What am I? You know, but Micah, he'll go, I'm hungry. Now, when he started this, he, he was wanting to see what he could do. And so I was going, okay, well, I don't want to send you to bed hungry. It has been a while since you ate dinner. Let's, let's find you something. And here's what he'll do, okay? And I, I knew what he was going to do last night. He finished his dinner, and he went right for something because he said, well, I'm full. And then he went to grab a snack because that's what Micah wants to do. And I knew what he was going to go for. And he does this whenever they're in the house. See, we have a cabinet with snacks in it, and one of the things that I know is in there right now is a bag of Cheeto chips, as he calls them. And so here's what Michael wants when he says, well, I'm hungry. I don't want to go to bed. I'm, I'm hungry. I know what he's going to do. He's going to say, I'll be like, what do you want? And he'll take me into the kitchen and say, hmm, I don't know. Hmm, hmm, maybe something from in there. And he'll point at that cabinet. And I'll open it up. He'll go, oh, oh, Cheeto chips. I could have those, Dad. And he's really, really sly about it. Right? He, he knows. But he also knows, he's learned, I'm not going to give him Cheetos before bed. He knows that. So here's, here's what he's done is he's gone, okay, not only am I going to avoid bed, but I'm going to make my dad a little proud of me right now. And he'll go, Dad, I don't need Cheetos. I'll have a banana. I'm going, okay, all right, banana we can do. But some days he's had three or four bananas already through the day because he loves bananas. I don't know what is up with that kid and bananas, but he loves them. I'm all right with it. But sometimes he'll go, Dad, I've had a lot of fruit today. A lot of fruit today. So can I have some vegetables? Now, okay, some of you are like, okay, when your kid's asking for vegetables, they really don't want to go to bed. I mean, that's what it is. But Micah was crazy. He actually likes them. So he'll eat these vegetables, and, and it's funny because at first it's kind of like, I'll settle for this if it keeps me out of bed, and then he'll start going, and he loves them. And he's eating more and more of them, and he, he asks for them at different times of the day now not to avoid because here's what he's learned is he's learned what is good. He learned that he feels better going to bed after eating vegetables than eating Cheetos. He learned that when he wakes up in the morning, he feels better after eating healthy things than he does when he eats junk food. We all have kind of learned these things, but see, this is it. Is he, he's starting to crave pure things, things that help him to grow in healthy ways, and we need to crave pure spiritual milk. We need to help people who are in chair two find pure spiritual milk. Hebrews 6, 1 through 3 talks about uh, what, what happens when we stay in chair two for too long. Here's what it says. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instructions about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. Now, I love this section because you read it, and, and most of us read it and go, I feel like I do need that instruction still. I feel like that's where I'm at. And, and the writer of Hebrews was getting at something here saying, hey, if you're going to step in and follow Christ, you, you need to grow through these things. These are the fundamentals. These are the basics. And it's time that we, we grow to move past these things. So if you're sitting here reading that and going, oh, man, I need to learn those things. Learn those things. It's time. It's time to start growing and it's time to start studying these things and, and becoming those who can mature in it. 
right before uh, the, the writer of Hebrews puts this uh, in chapter 5, 11 through 14, here's what he says. He says, there is much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature and who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. I want you to think today, if you went to a restaurant and, and saw my family sitting there, and, and, you know, we wave, say hi, and, and you're sitting just a little ways from us. And Janae reaches into the diaper bag and pulls out a bottle of milk. You might look and go, oh, well, she's, she's going to give that to, to their daughter, Emery. She's going to feed the baby. Oh, that's, that's great. You know, that's what you're supposed to do, right? What if she handed that bottle of milk to me and I just started drinking it? It'd be real awkward, wouldn't it? would be going, what? Are they saving money? What are they doing? Like, I don't, I don't understand. It'd be weird to see a, a grown man drinking out of a baby bottle, wouldn't it? Spiritually, it's weird too. It's not healthy. It's not right. It's not where we're supposed to be. We got to grow. We got we to quit uh, acting like we're babies or that it's okay to stay babies. We got to grow. We've been called to grow. We need to, to move on. Those who are stagnant, they're going to remain babies. It's not, it's not as cool as it sounds. I know back in the 90s, Flava Flav tried that. Didn't work. Okay? And a lot of you are going, I have no idea who that is. And that's okay. You don't need to. Okay? He's drinking out of baby bottles still. It's really weird. Okay? But, but this is an amazing thing is, is we have to learn okay, what to take in. We have to learn these things. We have to crave for it. And then we have to take it in and grow. We've got to start maturing and moving forward, learning to feed ourselves. And then we, we have to learn how to walk spiritually. 1 John 1, 5 through 7 says this. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. This, this section is saying something to us. It's saying, hey, you can't fake it before God. Sure, you can fake it around people. They can think that you're super holy and righteous. They can think that you are, you are so sold out for God on a Sunday morning. But this, this is the challenge for those of us that live our faith on Sunday mornings when it's public and then put it away for the rest of the week. It, it's, it's being said here, you cannot claim to walk in the light and walk in the darkness. It doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. You either are in the light or you are not in the light. We have to wake up to this because we have to quit trying to fake it. we got to actually battle our sin. we got to get out of our sin and pursue righteousness. That's an important part of this is a lot of us, we're okay with saying no to sin. We get that. But we say no to sin and say, okay, I'm, I'm battling. I get out of these things. And we, we rest and feel comfortable. But you have to understand, to, to avoid and keep battling out of sin, we got to pursue something. we got to go after something different. we got to pursue righteousness. Well, how do I pursue righteousness? I look to see what is righteous. Because of what Jesus has done, I have been declared righteous because I have his righteousness on me. So I see that he is righteous, and I am to align myself with what is righteous and learn to walk like him. 
It's the, the, this view of seeing Jesus and, and following just as he called, saying, hey, align yourself with me, accompany me, assist me, let's go. Let me show you what it is to pursue righteousness. We have to go after it. Ephesians 4, 21 through 24 kind of solidifies this to me. It says, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and form a way of life which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. We've got to start studying what Jesus did, the example of Jesus and how he walked, because that's our example. That's how we learn. Just like Micah saw me walking, has seen me doing stuff, he learned by watching the example. I love when, when Micah was just about to start walking, his cousins came over, and they're all running around. And it did not take him long after seeing them do it to get up and say, oh, I'm doing this. And that's what happens with kids. When they see other kids up and walking, they go, well, I want to do that. They learn these skills so quickly because they've seen the example. It makes sense to them. And we've got to understand, if I'm not looking at the example of righteousness, if I'm not looking at the example of Christ, how am I going to grow to be like Christ? How am I going to put off the old and put on the new if I don't know what the new looks like or where it's at? So we've got to understand this is what we're called to. This is part of following him, is learning to walk like him. The next thing we see is the skill. We've got to learn how to talk. We've got to learn how to talk. I love John 1, 45 through 46. We see the result of what Philip uh, learned right away. He, he gets into this immediately. He's called to follow, and he immediately begins to share about meeting the Messiah. I love it. So uh, verse 45 says this. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaims Nathanael. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. One of my favorite sections of scripture here because here's what we've got. We've got Philip who just has been called by Jesus, follow me. He's just come and seen who Jesus is. He's been given a greater challenge of follow me. At most, Philip has known about Jesus for three days, at most. So understand, with that, he, he looks and says, okay, I've known about Jesus for three days. I'm gonna go and start talking about Jesus with my friends, my friend Nathaniel. Now, Nathaniel's not an easy one. Nathaniel, he's a skeptic. He immediately hears, okay, the Messiah, but where is he from? Nazareth? No, no, come on. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. It's like the Baird of Israel, right? And nothing good comes out, right? Sorry for if you're from Baird, I'm just joking. But here's the thing, okay? We gotta think about it, okay? We gotta think about this. Nazareth, nothing good comes out of Nazareth. And I love that Philip doesn't sit down with him and go, well, here, let me explain more about it to you. Philip goes, I don't know what to tell you. Just come and see. And he takes off and goes, I love that Philip goes from Jesus saying, come and see, to, to follow me, to, okay, so I've learned this model. Just come and see. I don't have to explain it to you. Watch. Look and see. I love it because it, it breaks uh, our ideas here of how long someone has to be saved before they should start sharing. See, we get this idea, and I always had it too for a long time, of, of going, well, somebody's got to know Jesus for a while before they can share about him. But then uh, came years like last year with our sixth graders in youth group. Sixth graders are brand new to, to what we're doing. It's an intimidating, weird, crazy place, and they love it because they can run around a little bit. But 
our sixth graders, we started talking to them right away about, hey, we, we're called to share the gospel. We're called to reach others. So we had three of them right at the beginning of the year from the same class. And week one, we're talking about this. We're training them in, in gospel fluency to help them understand. Now, many of them are brand new to the faith. Of these three, they're, they're very new to their faith. But they went, okay, we're going to do something with this. That week, they went to school. The next week, four of them joined them. So they have seven of them showing up, seven sixth graders from the same class. Three of them, they've already led to Christ. One of them is, is coming because they said, well, just come and see, because they couldn't explain the questions that they had. Well, that student accepted Christ that night, and it's awesome because those three that had accepted Christ earlier in the week come to me and say, well, we've got this other friend that we're going to get this week. And I love it that they're not like, well, we're, we're praying for, we're hoping for an opportunity. They're like, no, we're getting them. He's got no chance. <laughs> he will not stay where he is. He will be here next week, and he will know Jesus. And I love it because these are the kids that just came to Christ, and they're like, uh-uh, we're in. We're in. And through the, the year, our sixth grade group just kept growing and growing and growing because they kept reaching and reaching and reaching. And it was students who came to Christ or are immediately going and sharing the gospel with another friend because they're like, you told me this. It was amazing. It changed my life. And I need, this friend needs it too. And they had this model, this view. And so here's the thing. You may be in chair two and going, well, I have time for that later. But, but we need to see the example that's there. You may be an infant in your, in your faith, but you're called to learn to talk to start beginning this process, and there's no better way than learning to talk than, than articulating this, the gospel to people, than trying, than opening your mouth and going with it. We learn in that way. We learn better by articulating it than by hearing it. We've got to start putting it into our own words. It takes what we understand up here, and, and we, we clarify it and, and begin to understand it more here. It solidifies what we believe because we've put it into words we understand. And we have people around us who are discipling us to help us make sure that what we're understanding is correct. And we go and do this. It's important, and it's a skill that we need. The next skill that we've got to learn is we've got to learn how to clean ourselves. This is important. This is where, where most people uh, who lead a friend to Christ, this is why they walk away, is they go, I don't, I don't clean them up. That's weird. I don't want to deal with that. That's messy. They're saved now, so they can figure that out and battle sin and get away from it, right? But we have to understand they need to learn how to do this. They need to be pointed in directions like 1 John 1, 9, learning how to clean yourself up, how, how to deal with sin that you've committed. It says, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. They need to learn that. Where do I go when I've sinned? Do I hide? Do I ignore it? No, you approach God who forgives he cleanses from all the wickedness. Hebrews 12, 4 through 8 says this, After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as a child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. See, this is our, our issue. We come to Christ, we feel like everything should be good, and then God allows us to face some of the consequences of our sin that we've continued to live in. I remember a season in my life like this where I was battling out of sin and going, God, why are you, 
Why are you letting me feel this pressure? Why am I having to face this so intensely right now? And here's what God was doing. He's saying, I'm allowing this discipline on you. I am, I'm, I'm putting this discipline on you. And here's why. I'm going to let you suffer and struggle a little bit right now to save you from greater destruction later if you continue down this path. It's the same reason that, that I discipline my children. is so that they learn not to do things that could lead to much worse destruction and pain and suffering later. And that's what God's doing. But here's our problem is we don't like it. So we go, God, that's not fair. God, that's not, that's not, I don't like this. I thought you loved me, God, and he does love us. That's what discipline is a sign of. Do you understand what it is? Is we don't need to complain about being disciplined and facing the consequences that come from sin. We, we need to embrace that and realize it's God saying, guess what? You're my child. It's proof of his adoption of you. And that's an exciting thing. We need to embrace that and grow in that. But that's something we have to learn. That's a skill that we grow in and begin to understand how we're cleansed and how God does that and why he does that. Then the last piece of it, which is the piece that's the most important, I believe, is we've got to understand our identity. Because when we go from, from chair one to chair two, our identity changes completely. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, right? The old is gone, the new has come. New creation, new identity, things have changed. You've gone from death to life. There's big change there, and there needs to be. So how does my son know who he is? Well, I tell him who he is. I explain it out to him. He, he learns that who he is begins with understanding who he belongs to, where he comes from. He's a Phillips. He's the son of Ben and Janae. He's loved and he's cared for. What's amazing in all, in all of this is while, while our actions truly do show him that, it's our words that often have to explain it out to him. You see, Micah falls, it falls into the same thing that most kids do. We'll, we'll be driving home. It's, it's about 9.30. We had something that we were at late. His bedtime's at 9. Janae and I, as we're pulling into town, are going, okay, so here's the game plan, right? You get her, I'll get him, okay? When we get there, I'll hit the, you know, the two door buttons. They'll open. We'll jump out. I'll grab him. I'll have him inside. I'm going to get him changed, brush his teeth, and I'll have him in bed. I'll read his story, sing his songs, and then he'll be in bed in 30 minutes, okay? We're ready? We're good? Ready? Break, right? That's our attitude. Okay, as we're set, we got this plan, and Micah's listening to the whole thing in the back seat. So I'll get out of the car to grab him, and he'll go, Dad, I want to watch PJ Masks. And I go, Micah, it's, it's bedtime, and the tears will start flowing, and here's what he'll do. He'll go, Dad, that's not my deal. And I'm going, well, what's your deal? He goes, my deal is I want to watch PJ Masks. And I'm like, buddy, that's not a deal. That's a demand. Here's the deal, okay? We're going to bed. Like, that's the deal, okay? He doesn't think I love him at that moment, though. Because what, what he thinks is I'm not giving him what he wants, what he thinks he needs, what would be best. And so he questions my love, and I have to explain it to him and say, buddy, you need to sleep. You know how, how you've been frustrated? You know how easily you've been crying through the last 20, 30 minutes here? yeah. It's because you're tired. You need to sleep so you can feel better tomorrow. And the next day, when he and I are sitting on the couch watching PJ Masks together, because I watch it, we'll sit together and watch this. And he snuggles up next to me because he knows he's loved. Not because he's getting to watch his show, but because of all of these things coming together. We've got to understand that because sometimes our struggle to trust God is based on our circumstances and how we don't understand what God's doing. And yet God his, in his word, he claims unending love and care for us. 
He's got this, these claims that are powerful towards us, and he's proved it by what he has done through his son, Jesus. God was willing to give up his one and only son for you. Jesus was willing to give up his own life to suffer and to die, his blood to be shed for you. There is no greater expression of love than that. And, and here's the thing. I want, you, I want you to think about this because some of you may have been living thinking that you're a chair two or chair three, but you're still sitting in chair one because you haven't understood this. You haven't understood the fact that, that Jesus has paid the price for you. You owed a debt to God because of your sin, and Jesus has paid that debt so that you can be brought back into a restored relationship with God. Some of you may, may not fully understand what I'm talking about. I want to make it as simple as possible for you. I want to help you understand what I'm saying here, the gospel message, the good news. It's so easy. It's so simple. God created you to be with him, but your sins have separated you from God. Those sins cannot be removed by good deeds. There is nothing good enough that you can do that pays for your sins. God required the shedding of blood for the forgiveness of sins. So paying that price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. He died paying the debt. He said on the cross, it is finished, paid in full. And we got, there you go, there's your notification, it's done, right? I love at the resurrection, what God was doing was declaring that payment as accepted on your behalf and gave Jesus the authority to give you new life. And now everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life, and that life with Jesus starts the moment you put your faith in him and lasts forever. There is nothing that can take that away. And if you have not put your faith in Christ, if you have not come, come from, I've come to see to now I'm stepping in to follow him, I want to invite you to do that today. I'm going to close in prayer, and during that time, I'm talking to God, so you can talk to God at the same time. You can ignore me, and I want you to take a moment and just talk to God about what's going on in your heart. If you're ready to put your faith in Jesus, tell God. Talk to him right now, and here's the thing. If you're ready to do that, if you, if you do that, come and see me, because I want to help you. As you step into chair two, I want to come alongside you and find others in the church who can help you grow. We don't want to orphan you there. We want to help you. If, if you have more questions about that, come and see me. I want to answer those questions and help you seek and know. I'm willing to work with you. I'm willing to, to help you find. There will be times I'm going to look at you and say, I don't know, just come and see. Let's look together. And, and I ask that, that just be bold enough to come and ask. Let's figure it out. Let's walk through this. But I'm going to pray. And if you are ready to put your faith in Christ, I, I invite you Take a moment and pray to God. That prayer doesn't save you, but that belief genuinely in your heart does. And it's great to express that to the Father. So let's take this moment. If you're ready to do that, go for it. But God, we thank you so much for this opportunity to study your word and to grow in our understanding of who you are and what you've done. God, to grow in our understanding of what you've called us to when it comes to growth. And I pray, God, that you would help us to learn and know you more. God, for those of us that are, that are sitting in chair two, would you help us to grow? God, bring people into our lives that can uh, teach us these skills and help us to understand and learn that we can move forward, God. 
Would you raise up chair three and chair four people in our church that can reach out to our chair ones and chair twos and help them to come along? And God, for anyone in here who has not put their faith in you, would you, God, by your spirit, draw them to yourself in a way that we know only you can? God, we trust you and we look to you. We praise you and we thank you, God, for your word and for the ways that you love us, the ways that you've shown that. God, help us to trust you and to grow to know the importance of this, God, and to take up the call to align ourselves with you, to accompany you, to assist you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.